thank you for being here tonight, Nagoya, to witness the moment. Because this is the moment. Five and up, ten points. This is the moment where people who doubted me change their minds. This is your last chance to get on the bandwagon. Seats are filling up fast, and we're about to close the doors. Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, everyone, and we are talking just the G1 Climax, just New Japan Pro Wrestling today. We are through 10 nights in the G1 each block, has had five singles matches with four to go, and we're starting to get an idea of where the tournament is going, some possible winners for the tournament as well as some storylines which are going to come out of this year's G1 and possibly take us all the way to Wrestle Kingdom in January. I know that seems a long ways away, but that is what we are building towards. All right, so we'll have the chat open as well. You can ask questions uh, limited to New Japan Pro Wrestling only today. As I'm sure some of the big New Japan fans are kind of hoping we can pay attention to what has been one of the best G1s in recent memory. Let's get going. Let's take a look at the standings and we'll start things off with Block A. So in Block A, now on Saturday morning, there was a show headlined by Kazuchika Okada going up against Kenta. At the time, they were both 4-0. and However, Okada became the first person to beat Kenta since Kenta has returned, uh, or sorry, has debuted in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, I wanted to take a look at two of the debuting names in the G1 Climax this year. You've got Kenta, the former Hideo Itami, who's coming off a run with WWE that lowered his stock. When Hideo Itami signed with WWE, he was a big star with Pro Wrestling Noah. Not only had he won their junior heavyweight title numerous times, he had even won their heavyweight title. Let's just throw up Kenta's Wikipedia page here and take a look at just at how just how accomplished. Look, he's his Wikipedia page is under Hideo Itami. Isn't that a kick in the balls? So he's 38, and he left. He left Pro Wrestling Noah in 2014 to go to WWE. Now the book on his WWE run was that he changed his style to be more. Excuse me, more like WWE. And that's why he didn't quite end up getting over as much. I'm not sure if it was so much that as it was in NXT, he kept getting sidetracked with injuries. Anytime he would start getting some buzz behind him or start being put in a major storyline, he got injured. And then his main roster debut in 205 Live... He uh, he came up to 205 Live in late 2017, and that's just not a place where anybody is able to get over. 
I mean, if you look at Mustafa Ali, how much bigger of a star Ali has become since leaving 205 Live. So kind of the book on Kenta in WWE was from 2014 to 2017, he just couldn't get off the ground in NXT, mainly due to injuries. And we're seeing that happen with a guy like Keith Lee. Keith Lee has now been in NXT for a year, and he just can't get off the ground because he got sidetracked with an injury at sort of an inopportune time. Tommy was plagued by shoulder injuries his entire run with WWE. But then he left 2019, and he opted to sign with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I thought his comment about why he signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling over, say, Pro Wrestling Noah. And he said that when he went to go to WWE in 2014, he wanted to show the world his wrestling. And WWE was a worldwide company. But now in 2019, New Japan Pro Wrestling is also a worldwide company as well. And that wasn't the case in 2014 when he left Pro Wrestling Noah and went to WWE. So he said that he didn't really give, like, New Japan much credit as being a worldwide promotion in 2014. That was the year that they launched New Japan World. and. It was around 2014. I mean, the Bullet Club was in full swing in 2014. So they were starting to get there. But, I mean, even when you just look at the entire world five years ago, the entire world was different five years ago. We didn't have all of these streaming services. We didn't... It, it wasn't as easy to follow international promotions even as recently as five years ago. And that was, for me, I noticed when New Japan World came out in 2014, that was really, I mean, I'd seen a bunch of New Japan. I'd see, you know, you see matches here and there, but you don't really get to follow the promotion as closely as you do now because you get to see all the events and you get to see all the events as they happen or within a few days and not like months down the line when you're finally able to get a hold of, you know, your buddy's copy of Wrestle Kingdom or something. And so now with New Japan being a worldwide company, he sees there being an opportunity for him to perform at a worldwide level without having to change his style to meet WWE's. And so now, Kenta is thrown right into the G1, and he wins his first four matches. So they immediately send the message out there that Kenta is going to be a major player in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And they have shown that by having him beat major guys. So let's run through Kenta's first four matches in the tournament. So he defeated Kota Ibushi right off the bat, and that was in American Airlines Center in Dallas. And that's, that's a huge match because Kota Ibushi is a guy that I think New Japan could go all the way with soon. And what I mean by all the way with, I mean he's in the same breath as, uh, like, maybe a step down from Okada. Like, like he's in the, like, like there would be Okada and then, like, Ibushi and Naito. Which I guess is what there is now. But Ibushi has never won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Naito had a brief run with it. 
I think at some point now that Kota Bushi has signed a lifetime contract. Remember after AEW came out, Kota Bushi signed a lifetime contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Not even sure if um, if those contracts hold up in court. I'm not. I'm not. I wonder if you can have a lifetime contract hold up in court. Who knows? So he beat Kota Ibushi right off the bat. So right off the bat, they had him beat one of their top names. Then night three on the tournament, he defeats Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now Tanahashi's now beating Tanahashi now is not the same as beating Tanahashi, you know, several years back. But I mean, it's still a huge message. A huge message that Kenta can beat the best of the best. Because Hiroshi Tanahashi is the is one of the best of the best. He's not like Tanahashi's character now is played up as this guy was the best of the best who's who now is past his prime. He can still go. And he was so good in his prime that he can still go now past 40. But he's not as good as he used to be. Okay, so Kenta beats him. So Kenta's now beaten Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi, his first two matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Then go to night five, he beat Lance Archer. And at the time, Lance Archer was undefeated. Archer had come in and beat Will Ospreay in sort of a, a reintroduction match where we were getting reintroduced. So he beats Lance Archer, and Lance Archer at the time was 2-0 as well. Then Kenta defeats Evil in Night 7. And coming up, he will take on Sonata. And then he will take on Bad Luck Fale. Then Will Ospreay. And then Kenta's final match will be against Zack Sabre Jr., which will be a really good match. But so Kenta, even though now he's just two points back of Okada, he doesn't have the tiebreaker to Okada. So he needs Okada to lose at least twice for Kenta to advance in the tournament. And it feels like Okada might win the tournament this year. At some point, like they're, they're running out of things that Okada can accomplish. It's got more title defenses than anyone, had the longest reign of anyone, and so on and so forth. I mean, kind of the next thing is, if he wins the G1 WoW champion and then gets to pick his opponent for Wrestle Kingdom, and that provides an interesting scenario. So basically, if Okada wins the G1, it's open season for who he faces at Wrestle Kingdom. And some have said, maybe, maybe if Okada wins the G1, he will issue a challenge to Kenny Omega. Because the last time Omega and Okada wrestled, Omega won. I mean, Omega would lose the title to Tanahashi, who would then lose the title to Okada, but is that how it went? No, it went Tanahashi lost it to White, who lost it to Okada. Okay. So Okada didn't get that last win on Omega. But all of this, of course, 
has to do with how well New Japan and All Elite Wrestling are getting along. And we know they're getting along well enough that Chris Jericho was brought in for a match against Okada. We know that John Moxley signed a deal with New Japan and signed a deal with AEW, but AEW is not allowing John Moxley to wrestle for New Japan in the United States, despite the fact that Moxley is the IWGP United States champion. So right now, Okada has to be the overwhelming favorite to go through in block A. So let's see who Okada is facing on the last night, because that's sometimes a big... Yeah, so he's facing Kota Ibushi on the last night. So Okada's still got Ibushi. Um, evil. Sonata. And Archer. Okay. I mean... The other thing is, like, could Okada possibly do a clean sweep? If Okada loses one of his next three matches, and Kota Ibushi, however, wins his remaining three matches, then the final night will be Okada versus Ibushi with the winner going on to the finals. And as I've said, Ibushi is a guy who... I think is going to get a, I mean, he's already one of the top guys, but I think that it can make him the top guy or in the same breath of Okada. If Ibushi beats Okada on the final night of the tournament, then wins the G1. And then it's Ibushi versus Okada again at Wrestle Kingdom. I think that's something that people could get behind. Let's go back to the G1. Okay. So we were in block A. We got Okada, Kenta. So now Kenta needs Okada to lose twice, at least twice, two of his last four, and then Kenta needs to win out to be in. Uh, Tanahashi has already lost to Okada, so he would need Okada to lose three of four to be in, so he's pretty much out. Um, I think we are coming down to... It seems like it's going to come down to Ibushi, Kenta, and Okada. Because Okada's also beat Evil as well and has the tiebreaker on him. If Okada loses one match and Ibushi wins the remainder of his matches, then the match between Ibushi and Okada on the final night of Block A would be for the winner of the block. So, we'll see. Okada's got four matches left. They are four very... The, the first three are very winnable. So let's see. He, uh, okay. So I think it's going to come down to Kenta is still in it. But I think it's really down to three possibilities in block A between Okada, Kenta, and Ibushi. All right. Um, okay. So let's go to block B. So block B, now we've got John Moxley with a four-point lead over anybody. And he's got a four-point lead over Ishii and Juice Robinson, who each have six points. So Moxley's at 10 points. Ishii and uh, Juice are both at six points. And Moxley has the tiebreaker over Ishii because they met already. 
So basically Moxley needs to lose three out of his next four for for anybody other than Juice Robinson to have a shot. If Moxley loses one out of his next three, that means the match between him and Juice Robinson on the final night of block B would be for the winner of the block. And I think you have to imagine that's what is going to happen. But Moxley needs to lose one match between now and the final night for that to happen. I mean, if Moxley wins his next three matches, the final night of the B block is meaningless. And so you have to take a look at, okay, well, who could come back? And I really thought that Naito was going to take the B block when they sort of announced the blocks, but it really doesn't look like that now because he's now six points behind Moxley. So three wins behind Moxley with four to go and Moxley has the tiebreaker. So Moxley would basically have to lose out and Naito would have to win out for Naito to advance. So I, I don't think Naito's advancing. Like Moxley... Uh, I mean, Moxley's next match is against Toru Yano. I mean, you could have him lose to Yano. And that's sort of the thing... That's, that's almost why you have Yano in the tournament, right? Like he can... He can beat anybody and he can lose to anybody. So Moxley could lose to Yano, but boy, that seems like a real cheap way to give him his first loss. Like a real cheap way. Because Moxley is undefeated in New Japan. Like, I haven't watched all the preliminary tag matches, but he's won seven straight singles matches. He beat Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States title. Then he beat Shota Umino and then kidnapped him a couple of nights later. And now he's won five straight in the G1. So Naito, I mean, Naito would have to win out. If Naito wins the rest of his matches, he'll finish with 12 points. And... Moxley only needs to win one more match to get 12 points. And then he's got the tiebreaker on Naito. So Naito is done. Unless Moxley loses his next four. So say Moxley lost to Toru Yano. I mean, that's possible. It would suck. But it's possible. And then he wrestles Jay White. He could totally lose to Jay White. Some outside interference. Get a Jay White, John Moxley, United States title match somewhere down the line. I don't know. And then he wrestles Juice Robinson. Oh, he wrestles Hiroki Goto in there, too. And he could lose to Goto. But I just don't see it happening. It seems likely that Moxley will drop a match to Yano... White, Goto, and then set up a one match to take the B block with Juice Robinson. That seems the most likely scenario. And again, I mean, Naito, who I think a lot of people would have had pegged as one of the favorites in this block, he's not out of it. 
but he's got to win out and he's got and John Moxley has to lose the rest of his matches. Jay White, who's also at four points, is actually in a better spot because he's got his match with Moxley left. So if he wins three matches out of his next four, Moxley loses three out of his next four. Um, but White beats Moxley in there and hence holds the tiebreaker, then White would go through. So White still has a chance, but not a great one. No, I mean, that's still a chance. If, if White beats Moxley, then you're just hoping Goto or Juice Robinson. Then, then you need Goto, Juice Robinson, or Yano. You need two of those three to also beat Moxley. Um, but then you've also got Juice Robinson in there who you have to finish ahead of as well. So right now, and this could change based on the upcoming cards, it looks like we're coming down to a Moxley versus Juice Robinson final in block B and a Kazuchika Okada Kota Ibushi final in block A. That's just speculation, however. But those are the guys who look like they have the best shots of winning their blocks as we are now 10 nights through the tournament. And so there's a couple of other guys in the G1 that I wanted to talk about. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Zack Sabre Jr. Now, Zack Sabre Jr. is 1-4 in in the tournament. And that seems like it's a big step back for him. This is a guy who won the New Japan Cup a couple of years ago. He's had big matches with the biggest of stars. They are going to London on August 31st for a big show. You would have to imagine that Zack Sabre Jr. is going to play a major role on that show. So who else is going on this G1 we want to talk about? So Lance Archer came out and won his first two. thought that was uh, a good showing for him, especially the match over Will Ospreay in Dallas. This was when he, he came out, he had a new look, uh, you know, big mohawk, and then one with the Everybody Dies Claw, the EVD Claw which is a bit of a pinning combination, pinned Will Ospreay with it. Will Ospreay has been struggling a bit this tournament as well. He's two and three. Um, and of course, I mean, the guys at the bottom, whether or not they're in it at the end, really depends on how Okada does. I mean, another possibility is that they could do Okada versus Moxley in the finals with both of them being undefeated. What a huge, huge finals that would be. And I don't think, I don't think Moxley is going to win the tournament his first go-round. And it's also an interesting question. We don't know just how involved Moxley is going to be with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, is he in the G1 next year? Because... The reason he's able to be in the G1 this year is that AEW's TV show hasn't started. They're going to be doing weekly TV shows 52 days a year. And according to Tony Khan, they hold the rights to John Moxley. Like, so what happens then? Does Moxley leave 
AEW for a month to go compete in the G1? Does he leave to go do shows like Dominion? And I guess, I mean, with their TV show being on Wednesday nights and Tony Khan has said they're not going to do much of a house show loop as well. So maybe it is a, a situation where they will allow their talents to do the big shows for New Japan Pro Wrestling. They won't book their big shows for around that time. And... You know, but it still doesn't like they still wouldn't be able to do tours with New Japan while doing AEW weekly television without being pulled off of AEW weekly television to go do it. Well, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see if this is Moxley's first and last G1. I hope it's not because. Moxley has really performed in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling in an impressive way. He's really gone in, and you see a lot of, like, if you go back on New Japan World and watch, like, Stan Hansen, and I'm not saying Moxley is acting like Stan Hansen, but it, he's sort of this unpredictable, wild man, gaijin kind of wrestler. Like, there's a lot of Terry Funk in there, too. And I think older wrestling fans, perhaps maybe old school wrestling fans, are going to appreciate what Moxley is bringing to New Japan more so than what even, like, Kenny Omega, definitely the Young Bucks, brought to New Japan. And I know this sounds weird, but I find that Moxley is truer to the New Japan style than the Elite were. And I know that's going to come off as weird because Kenny Omega, I mean, has had these blow-away, fantastic uh, matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, Kenny Omega is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And his best matches have occurred in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So how is it that I feel John Moxley fits New Japan more than Kenny Omega does? I don't know. I just do. I feel like John Moxley really... Really, like I feel Kenny Omega is more of a like a progressive wrestler who's sort of moving wrestling forward and taking it in new directions. Meanwhile, John Moxley is kind of well, he's exactly that the rest the kind of wrestler that he wants to be and no more. He's not thinking of evolving the business. He's just who is John Moxley as a wrestler? Go do that. And I think his style is more realistic than Kenny Omega's, like the style that we've seen in New Japan so far obviously. Uh it's a little bit and what I mean is, like, Kenny Omega and the Elite, their styles are very over-the-top. And that's not a criticism of them. I'm a huge Kenny Omega fan. I'm a huge fan of the Young Bucks. But I just think that Moxley... 
that Moxley fits with New Japan better than the Elite does. I totally feel that way. And I feel like the Elite fit better in AEW, way better in AEW than they did in New Japan. And a lot of traditional New Japan pro wrestling fans were not happy with the style the Elite were bringing um, in the last few years that they were there. You remember there was that sign in the audience that one day, and you don't see signs in the audience, that said, Harold, May, and the Elite are ruining New Japan Pro Wrestling or something like that. And that basically it was this Americanization. And I always say, like, it's this increased silliness. Like, the big complaint about the Elite is sort of like the silliness that they bring into it, which is fine. I like that silliness. Lots of people like that silliness. But that silliness combined with New Japan is a bit of a misfit. But it fits great in AEW because the whole company is built around their promote that sort of style. Whereas New Japan is is, you know, more serious based. Like it's it it doesn't have the I mean, obviously, it's got Toru Yano and stuff like that. There's non-serious wrestling there. But it, it's it's more serious than the Young Bucks, for instance. The Young Bucks style is, is very much a pro wrestling guerrilla, like, you know, PWG, Ring of Honor, American indie style. And what they do fits their own promotion. And I go back to remember that show they did in San Jose in 2018 that was all built around the elite. And it drew like three or 4,000 in the Cow Palace. And you had Kenny Omega defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The Young Bucks um, challenging for the Heavyweight IWGP Tag Titles. So the biggest titles in pro wrestling by these guys that are so popular... There's this whole promotion being created out of their popularity, yet when you put them together, it's only drawing three or four thousand. Take them apart, put the elite in their own promotion, selling out 10,000, 12,000 seat arenas, no problem. And now you've got New Japan kind of. I mean, they're doing their own tours now in, in the States as well and sort of building up, but they're not, but the fans that they're bringing in are fans of the New Japan style and not necessarily just fans of the elite. But could you do John Moxley? Like, that's why I want to see John Moxley stay in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's perfect for it. And I'm not saying he's not doing, he's not going to do fantastic stuff with AEW. It's just when I see John Moxley in this G1 tournament, I think of Stan Hansen. And I think of a throwback that, a throwback kind of Stan Hansen style character that just fits with New Japan's history and wrestling philosophy whereas with Kenny Omega and the Elite I felt a clash between wrestling philosophy so if you told me would you rather have Kenny Omega back in New Japan Pro Wrestling and John Moxley not in New Japan Pro Wrestling no I'm happy with it how it is John Moxley is killing it in New Japan 
and Kenny Omega and the Elite are going to do their own thing in AEW, and that's going to be great. It has been great so far. And we're going to see AEW develop a personality over the next few years. And what I like is that we're going to start to see them do things that wrestling fans don't like. We've already seen it. We've already seen them kind of get crapped on a little bit for the Alex Jabaley versus Michael Nakazawa match, which I actually thought was funny. Um, but they've gotten knocked for the silliness of their pre-shows. Like, their pre-shows are very comedy-based. And they've gotten sort of knocked for that. But they're trying different things, like bringing in the Joshi stars. And they're getting praised for bringing in the Joshi stars. So now we just need to see how they react. Do they react by cutting out the pre-show? Oh, excuse me. Cutting out the pre-show silliness and comedy? And bringing in more Joshi stars and just kind of do we get a whole them throwing things at the wall and seeing what'll stick. And you know what we still haven't seen a lot of yet is the OWE guys. I feel like I feel like they're gonna really give us the OWE stars when they've got something really planned out and cool to 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 give us with them, you know? Like, it's not going to be... They're not going to hit the ground running with the OWE guys, but I think they're going to try something a whole lot different. All right, let's see. Any other uh, any other guys here we want to talk about? So Juice... Ro okay, Juice Robinson, another thing. If Juice Robinson is in the running to make it to the finals... Of the G1. By the way, that's totally possible. Juice Robinson could win the B block. Because Juice needs to beat Moxley the next time they wrestle. Because Moxley beat Juice for the United States title. So either the story is Juice is going to learn to get better and beat Moxley. And that's such a common story for young wrestlers in New Japan is that we see them lose and then we... We see them get better and beat somebody that they used to lose to. And we saw we we just saw this storyline play out last year with Juice and Cody Rhodes. So it's possible we're getting the same thing here with Juice and John Moxley. But for that to happen, Juice has to beat Moxley on the final night of the tournament, which would then earn him a title shot, like another title shot for the United States title. And could also possibly win him the block. Or it could just earn him a title shot and cost Moxley the block. That's another possibility too. But we'll keep you up to date with everything going on in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling and the G1 Climax. We'll check back in later this week to talk about nights 11 and 12 and give you all the tie-breaking procedures as well thanks very much everyone don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on news or reports from spoiler free wrestling